today on Laura Lynn and Friends. The outcome that I that stuck with me the most after watching that inquiry was that government can do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want to do it, right? They don't need a justification to do anything. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my new set. What do you think? Um, my amazing husband went out and uh, filmed that all what's behind me today. He went and got that like live. You know that we kind of have a, uh, we've developed sort of, we love, you know, something scenic in the background, right? Well, uh, that's the scenery that my wonderful JT went out and shot this morning. It's absolutely beautiful. And as we go, you'll see that the sun comes out and it, it does uh, all of these magnificent things. Well, we're coming to you from beautiful British Columbia. Uh, one of the best provinces I've uh, I've ever come across, except for I did love Nova Scotia. I have to say Prince Edward Island was amazing this year, getting to see all of that and the beautiful, you know, the cliffs and the rocks. We saw a little bit. We didn't get to see enough because we had to get up every day and drive for four hours to get to our next event. Of course, that was the Let, Let Freedom Rain tour that was going on. So I'm back. Everybody's wondering where I was. So here, let's celebrate. Let's do a little bit of celebration. What do you think about this? This is a family. All right. Fantastic. So they got a, a mama and a dad and a, an uncle. Looks like a couple uncles, maybe a couple of, uh, maybe a couple of, um, um, you know, sisters, I don't know, wives probably. And then some kids, little kids sitting there singing for all their heart. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I absolutely love that song. Okay. I'm excited to be able to read to you from my wonderful father's Bible. My dad passed away over a year ago now. And I looked today uh, to see, you know, what he might have thought was important. And 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Isn't it dark? These are dark days. I know exactly how you're feeling. I met all of you across this country and I saw the tears in your eyes. I felt the pain that we're all kind of feeling. We, we feel like this is one of the darkest times we've ever seen. But listen to this. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Wow, that means so much to me that that, that was an important scripture to my dad. He has underlined from one end of this Bible to the other. So I just, I value that legacy and I'm grateful for it. I didn't always feel grateful. Do you know how kids don't appreciate who you are right now, right? You know what I'm talking about. You've got a 13 year old and uh, they just think that mom and dad are crazy and maybe they're 15, oh, even 18 year olds. Well, let's face it, 25 year olds are still crazy too. But uh, as you get older, one thing I realized is I kind of went through my 30s thinking, you know, I was still kind of angry about some things. And then in my 40s, um, now I'm not going to go any higher than this so that we don't need to talk about my age any more than that, right, hun? Uh, but, uh, you know, got to my 40s and started thinking, wow, that was, my parents were some of the smartest people I've ever known. <laughs> and now I think they're brilliant and then they're gone. And I wish that I had a few more years with them, but I don't. What we do have is we have life, and I've got the amazing uh, Tander, uh, Tanner with us today. But before we get to that, let's just talk about um, our event uh, with Pastor Archer Pulowski and Dr. William Mackis. That is coming up December 7th in Vancouver. Let Freedom Reign Tour uh, continues, and Dr. Mackis will be here in person. Archer Pulowski will be here in person. I've told that we're getting extra security 
uh, for this uh, to ensure that everyone is safe and sound. Uh, the Croatian Cultural Center has called us and said that they wanted to ensure that it was a safe event and so they are hiring security and uh, sorry we're we're hiring security that they recommend and um, and so I'm excited about this I've been uh, you know all over the place with Pastor Archer and William Mackis a wonderful doctor and of course he's uh, putting out some pretty incredible information it's all over Twitter uh, what Dr. Mackis is sharing and so we do What's that? Oh, and oh, and Alicio is going to be there. Yes, of course. Thank you, JT. We're going to have the band. The band is coming back together, and we're going to have, yeah, bringing the band back together. So that's going to be fun. Seven o'clock uh, on December seventh. Easy to remember. Seven and seven. And um, okay, so let's uh, let's go to uh, Tanner. Um, Hindi, thank you very much, Tanner, for waiting in the background. I absolutely love this guy. Tanner, I appreciate all that you're doing for Canada. You're always telling the truth wherever you go. You're putting your broadcasts out and uh, letting us know. As the news drops, you're basically trying to get it to the people, and I appreciate that. And you've also got such a great heart. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. I have to say, thank you. I'm jealous of your background no. <laughs> compared to mine. I said it was just gorgeous. I would love to be. <laughs> and we have so much snow here where I am right now that that looks right. even refreshingly, uh, well, free of snow. Right. <laughs> so now, I'm well, thank you. You're in this amazing town, actually. It's it's like it's British Columbia and Alberta, right? Or ah, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Oh, it's Saskatchewan and Alberta. Right. I'm sorry, yes, I knew close. it. Right, it's on the other side. Okay. Yes. And yes, you're close. Yeah, and it's so it's cold. So which side do you live on? I'm on the Alberta side. I'm just a couple minutes out of town, and you're right. It's um, it's a heavy oil town. Lots of oil. We have a yeah. big canola crusher here. It's the uh, I love it here because the the people that live here are so humble and so hardworking, and they are the epitome of. I would argue a true blue Canadian, you know, someone who isn't constrained by bureaucracy, someone who, you know, doesn't try to, um, well, what would you say? Someone who, or it's people who live here are those who don't try and work to live off government. Instead, they want to work to feed their families. And it's great. You know, it's a lot of fun living here. Yes. And, uh, you know, we do love this snow when the snow starts showing up. It's fantastic. It's freezing right now. Uh, mm -hmm. It was minus six last night. So what are you guys up at up there? We're at minus 36. You're close. <laughs> I know what? with the wind. It's Oh, yeah, it's close to minus 40. Oh, yes. It's chilly. Tanner, you know, you I know. can live anywhere, right? I know. But but why live anywhere when you can live in the paradise of by Lloyd? That's right. <laughs> it's chilly. Oh, no, it's cold. I love it's it. cold. People all over this uh, this nation, they love where they live. Um, mm -hmm. I've been shocked. Like there's sometimes where I go, you know, I just don't know why people live here because it's a bit mm -hmm. cold or sparse or flat, you know, mm -hmm. but then the people are absolutely magnificent, magnificent. The people yes. of Canada are beautiful people. And yes, so, actually, yeah. and you've touched on something that's actually profound because GK Chesterton, he called that, um, like a, a sort of a, a cosmic, he called himself a cosmic patriot. And the idea is, if you love where you live, purely because it's yours, then you're willing to do just about anything to fix it, right, to make it better. And so it's necessary to actually make changes which are good, you have to love the thing before it actually becomes lovable. Wow. So the difference between I would argue those who live in a town like mine, right, these humble, hardworking farmers, and say, Justin Trudeau, and I mean this honestly, is that those individuals who live here love where they live. And they love it not because it's warm, because <laughs> it certainly isn't. They don't even love it because it's cold, even though it's cold, right? They love it simply because it's theirs in the same way that you love your child because he or she is yours. Right. But even then you have a prime really minister ugly. in Ottawa. Even if, even if, it's exactly <laughs> right. But then you have a prime minister in Ottawa who doesn't love particularly the West. And so how can we have any assurance that he's going to change it for the better? He doesn't even love Canada. He loves an idea of Canada, right? He loves this multicultural uh, nation with no borders, right? That is something entirely different than what it, what it actually is and what it's supposed to be. So instead of actually loving the nation, 
He loves an idea of the nation. He makes an idol, right? He's this idolatrous man who consistently tries to change Canada into something which it's not. And so none of us have any assurances that all of his changes, all of his build back bettering, right, is actually for the better because it's not because he doesn't fundamentally love the nation purely because it is. So you're, I think that's a very profound thought. And, and I like the way you tied in the fact that Trudeau really doesn't seem to have that. He called us, if you'll remember, a post-national state. And I know as I've been uh, traveling with Mark Friesen, he's pointed that out a lot. And he said w that all went over many of our heads, a post-national state. But he was really speaking to the WEF. He was really speaking to some of the higher ups that they want this whole world crashing to the ground and all borders and no nationalism, no sense of core identity. And Trudeau's bought into that. Yes, absolutely. Like, okay, so you look at this mass, mass immigration that's that's coming to Canada. First of all, like, just like you, I deplore the the um, accusation that this is some sort of white supremacy. That's nonsense. What a nonsensical, intellectually void argument. So that you don't even you don't even grapple with that argument because it's so far removed from reality. But we have this mass immigration coming to Canada, and it's no wonder why, right? You can think of the nation as a massive home right? And the thing about the home is that it has borders. That's what makes it a home, right? The fact that my house has walls in it that separates it from the outside world is what actually makes it a home. It's what makes it mine, right? The fact of the matter is that property is borders. And so if you completely annihilate borders, if you completely abolish them totally, it's like no one knows, no one owns anything. So what you have with this mass immigration, right? What is it? 500,000 um new immigrants every year what you really have is an insinuation in our minds from the government that canada is no longer ours our home is no longer our own it's like inviting all of these individuals into your own home you don't even invite them right they just they come into your own home and act like it's theirs right it's not of course and again this isn't a, this isn't a rant against immigration of course you know you have to have immigration but mass immigration on this scale is something different entirely it's not racist, right? It's none of those accusations that the radicals give. What we're merely saying is that by flooding the nation with all of these new citizens who come from all over the world, what you're really insinuating is that borders no longer need to exist, right? The nation of Canada has no identity. So what purpose, what good are borders? There's no need for them because, you know, people live here like they do across the oceans and they live here like they do down south and they live here like they do. Well, not to the north because we're north, but, you know, to the east and the west. And so the very idea of borders becomes insignificant, becomes meaningless. And thus uh, the whole idea of capitalism becomes meaningless because there's no property. Nothing is yours. Everything is everyone's. And so no one or so everything is everyone's. And so no one owns anything. That's how I describe it. Right. And then we have things like UNDRIP that, uh, that is coming mm. in, and I'm going to be doing a show, you know, on that uh, coming up. But that's starting to hit where basically uh, it could have very deep ramifications for home ownership in British yes. Columbia. It's actually really showing, showing up. Yes. Oh, precisely. Yeah. It's so prop, you know, it's been, the, the word has been tarnished, but property is so critical because it's a hallmark of freedom. Right. And even OK, so you can actually link together this idea of property and Trudeau's gun ban, right? This newest gun ban, which isn't the last gun ban, right? It's a mass gun ban, but it sure isn't the last one. And the reason I say you can link them together is because private property, our ownership of private property, whether the home, the vehicle, the garden, yourself, right, is proven by the fact that you can defend it, right? The very act of self-defense and your ability to legally defend yourself from attack, from theft, from, uh, you know, perversion, all of those things is a proof that what you have is actually yours. It's a proof of property. So if I have a man who trespasses onto my land, onto my home or tries to break into my home and I, you know, use force to to ensure he doesn't harm me, that's legitimate, right? No one. And no one is upset about that no one should be upset about that our government might have a different idea but they shouldn't be upset about that right it's most fundamentally shown in the in the image of the person so you're walking downtown late at night someone tries to you know assault you and you you really 
beat him up good, right? You bop him good and, and you get away. No one's upset that you've done that because you're protecting what's fundamentally yours, right? yourself. That's a secular perspective, but it's true. So what Trudeau's done then with this gun ban is he's taken away the tools that we as law-abiding individuals use to defend our home, our property, our private property, ourselves. And as such, he's really told all of us that what's yours is no longer yours. You have no real right to defend it. And so you can't even really call it your property. And so terms like stealing and theft just die, right? They get thrown out the window because you can't, um, you know, you, you theft can't exist if there's nothing to steal, right? If nothing is objectively yours, then when someone takes something, he's not even really taking it. He's just, you're sharing. <laughs> you know, if if you live in this totally socialist world where everything is everyone's and we share everything with everybody, right? It's not like you can say that this man is invading my home. He's not. It's not your home to begin with. And so the man isn't invading. And so I find that gun ban totally reprehensible because it's this, it's this um, uh, excuse just to shovel in more socialism into the nation. Right. It, it is shocking what is going on uh, in Canada right now in, in so many levels. Um, one of the things in the United States I've been watching is how petty theft is no longer a deal. Like you won't get, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get a slap on the wrist for anything under $1,000 in many of these mm -hmm. states now, because I guess they don't feel they have the manpower after they've defunded the police and you know, gotten rid mm. of so many or whatever, but uh, mm -hmm. people like crime is just spiraling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, completely agree. And it's coming to the point where um, crime is no longer crime. Like we're completely radicalizing what's right and what's wrong in society. And, you know, you can see that just about in every aspect of society. This is what happens when you when you emancipate yourself from any objective real law that grounds the nation in a foundation of what's true and what's false, what's right and what's wrong, right? We live in this progressive society that's run by progressives in government. And so it's no wonder all our laws are quote unquote progressing beyond what they once were. Now, of course, it's not progression at all, right? When you look at history, it's actually regression. We're turning back and, you know, stuff like that is, is borderline. Well, it's barbaric. It's not right. You know, whether you steal a, a candy or a laptop it's stealing right because stealing is stealing you're taking what isn't yours to take and so you know i would even argue <laughs> you i like that you use that example of theft i would go so far as to say that theft is really just a form of murder right insofar as <sighs> you have a man and he needs to buy goods and so what he does is he gives up this is the me as an economist talking he gives up a portion of his time a substantial portion of his time of his life in order to exchange productive hours for cash, which he then goes out and purchases some good. So what you as a criminal do when you steal something, say, uh, say, say you steal a book from my bookshelf, is you're really stealing a portion of my life because I worked. I gave up part of my life to, to earn the money needed to buy that book. By stealing that book, it's as though you're taking away a portion of my life. The only difference is the murderer, the true murderer, right, um, steals a man's future, whereas a, whereas a thief just steals a man's past. So, yeah, it's I'm like that you use that example. It's this complete abolition of law and it's a problem. So I know that you you do a lot of travel as well, uh, Tanner, and you like to kind of, you know, feel the pulse of what's going on in Canada. Um, I see a lot of very discouraged people and they're wondering what the answer really is. Uh, there's sort of some great attempts at, um, at politics. People are getting more involved. People are trying harder in some respects. And yet uh, we've seen that uh, like in British Columbia, we've had very poor turnouts for some of our, mm. you know, municipal elections and things like that it, as if people are just going wow we don't even know if it really matters um you know anymore and and we're just seeing a loss of hope in what the answer truly is uh things like bill c11 which i know that that mm -hmm. you've covered I, we just have so many disturbing things and the potential uh of having trudeau in until 2025 mm -hmm. oh at least oh i know it is 
on your own, it's discouraging. It's exceedingly discouraging because it seems like the words of the teacher in Ecclesiastes are true. Nothing ever changes under the sun and corruption is continual and nothing I do really changes anything, right? From the outside, that's what the perception is for a lot of people. So you ask the question, what's the solution, right? My answer is Christ. It's the only solution. It's not a political leader. It's not mere man. It has to be something above man because of course man is mortal and he's valuable and he's subject to corruption and he's proven that corruption. And even if for a year or two, right, we have freedom, which is a good thing and we want that and we're fighting for it, of course. Or even if for 10 years we have freedom, right? And we want that and that's a good thing and we're fighting for it. Because you have a good political leader in power, that leader will eventually die too. It's the nature of man, right? Or the, the nature of fallen man more accurately. And so I put first my faith and trust in Christ and all else is built upon that. And the wonderful thing is that really, no matter what happens, you know, and, and I know like, for example, Pastor Coates will attest to this, whether you're in prison or whether you're not in prison, whether you're poor or rich, you have that hope of Christ. And it's phenomenal because even the poorest then of men, though it's not good that they're poor, are richer than the rich who don't have Christ, right? The poor man who has Christ is wealthier and wealthier in an infinite way than than the man who doesn't, even if the other man has riches beyond his wildest comprehension. So that's first and foremost. And then all other things will follow. But if unless the society repents, like there's a great verse, right? What is it? Second Chronicles 714. It's like repent and seek the Lord's face. That's the answer. And there is no other answer. You know, you can put all your faith in the politician and the politician can't save you from death. The politician can't save you from sin. The politician is subject to those things just like you and I are. So you have to put your faith in something real, something fundamental, something infinite, something eternal first. And that is Christ. I love that about you, Tanner, and you're so open with your faith. Uh, you know, um, people are beginning to, I, I think, open their hearts to making sure that their relationship is right with God. We're seeing a lot of uh, very disturbing trends. We're seeing uh, trends towards pedophilia in a very shocking way. Um, I've been watching all of the reports on this. Uh, how do you say it, JT? Is it Balenciaga? Balenciaga or something like this, you know, um, and and now of course this this uh, organization after putting out you know advertisements showing children with little bears that have these sadomasochistic outfits on, um, now they're going to sue the the. Um, the, the organization that put it together, you know, their, uh, mm -hmm. what do you, their mm -hmm. advertisement, uh, yeah, ad agency, you know, let's, mm -hmm. let's pass the buck, but that had to go through so many people to be approved. Uh, so mm -hmm. many eyes had to be on that you're, you're using children in a sexualized environment. And I'm thinking that we're starting to actually just have the door opened on the true evil that's actually been there all along. Yep, absolutely. It's reprehensible. You're dead on the mark. Like you couldn't be more accurate if you tried. You have this overt, it's not covert anymore, this overt evil Satanism in, in Hollywood, in these, you know, high up places that is just, it's so arrogant, it's revealing itself in its fullest form without any real concern. You know, it's like they can engage in really any action they want to engage in. And you know, it's, it seems like no one bats an eye. Of course we are, we're seeing it. And people like you and so on are, are righteously angry with it. Um, and with, with these, oh, like unfathomably evil actions and people. And remember, these are the same individuals that, that were just furious that you wouldn't wear a mask. Like, <laughs> you know, these okay. were the same individuals, like, yeah. and, and you, or, of or course, that don't appreciate Right. The, yes. That don't appreciate that you're um, against child uh, mutilation, you know, or, yes. uh, you know, that, that you just think that uh, we should not be teaching kids any confusing things about gender. Like they're, they're livid about that and they're putting this yes. stuff out. And then now when they kind of got caught literally, uh, you know, firsthand, they they want to retract or, or, you know, they want to blame somebody else, but we're seeing it. We're, we're actually seeing the evil yeah. come out, Tanner. 
Oh, absolutely. And of course, I mean, one wrong thought doesn't mean that all thoughts are wrong, but you have to question, okay, if this is what they believe about this, what about their other beliefs? Because this one belief or this one action is so perverted, so demonic, so foul, like so unfathomably foul that you have to seriously question anything which comes out of those individuals' mouths because it's just so evil, right? It's so unbelievably evil. It's like um, this new euthanasia ad that I've, I've recently seen, right? It's just so logically incoherent because here you have over the last three years, all of these radicals who just went out of their minds, they were furious if you didn't do exactly what they said in order to quote unquote, keep everyone safe, wear a mask, lock yourself in your home, do this and that, completely subject yourself to this oppression in order that you might save your grandmother's life. But now they're on commercials basically saying grandma should kill herself. Like that's, you know, that's the, that's the logical collapse of progressivism is that they say one thing and then they say another thing and they're too mutually, ex like they're so exclusive, right? And on one hand you hear save grandma's life, right? If you don't wear a mask, you're killing your grandmother. And then two months later, they come up with a commercial or they come up with a thought saying, grandma has to be free to kill herself. And it's wrong if she isn't. Like you, you know, you see in your audience sees how these two things don't logically compute. And it's not just with that, right? We also heard, for example, save the children, wear a mask so that kids can go back to school. But then in the same breath, those individuals go, those children should be killed in the womb. So, you know, it's like, which is it? You can't have, have it both ways. It is a very confused and mixed up world right now. It absolutely is. And also we're seeing our economy just absolutely tanking. Things are so expensive. You know how I can judge the mm. economy? It's through Cremo. Like I love mm -hmm. Cremo in my coffee. I've never had to pay so much money for Cremo in my entire, you know, adult <laughs> life. And, oh, and this to me is serious, you know? Yeah. And we're going to have to yes. cut back oh, yeah. on the Cremo, you know? And I know, terrible. You have to get a cow. <laughs> Maybe um, I can. Almost, but you're right. It is. It's, Okay, so this is this is me as an economist speaking now. Of course, so much of it is inflation. Like you've printed so much money. And I know that the Bank of Canada is going, it's not printing, we didn't print. And it's like, we just use this quantitative easing, which <laughs> it, that's really just printing for bankers. It's really just an, it's an asset inflation and so on. But they did, right? Like the difference between this quantitative easing, well, it's a big econ, you know, econ word, and it's very dry and boring to study. But the difference between, say, now and 2008 was just how much cash, like physical cash, was injected into the immediate economy, right? Instead of keeping all of that money that they made with the reserves in the banks, what happened this time was all of it went to Canadian citizens. And so they spent it on food. They spent it on bicycles. They spent it on upgrades for their homes. They spent it. We're now seeing the consequences of inflation. But I just gave a talk yesterday and I was discussing how the bureaucrat has completely changed the definition of inflation to mean something which it's not supposed to mean. Inflation should, and for the longest period of time did, mean an increase in the supply of money. And that's it. It meant nothing else. If you increased the supply of money in the economy, you had inflation by definition. It was a tautology. Whether you said inflation or increase in the money supply, it was the same thing. What politicians have done now is they've perverted the word and they perverted it to mean or to say um, inflation is a rise in prices. That's not the same thing as an increase in the money supply right? A rise in prices, a drastic rise in prices are a consequence or is a consequence of inflation, but it's not the same thing, right? So you saw in the civil war in America, you had an increase in the money supply, a drastic increase in prices. You saw that in the Weimar Republic in Germany, right? An increase in the money supply, a drastic increase in prices. And you saw it in, or you see it in Zimbabwe, right? A massive increase in the money supply, leads to a massive increase in prices. Now, the reason that the politicians in Canada and America and so on have transformed the definition of inflation to mean an increase in prices is because it emancipates them from all blame for these actual rise in costs. Because you can say, well, we had a supply shortage. There was a computer chip shortage. There were supply chain issues or demand has shifted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to justify 
the change in prices or a change in prices. And often that's correct to do so, right? Often prices do change as a consequence of all these different factors. But when the prices are changing because the government has printed more money or the Bank of Canada has printed more money, then we should be able to say to the politician, that's your fault. Now, if you completely change a definition, though, you can't do that because that isn't inflation anymore, money printing. It's just money printing. It's different. And so what I'm trying to do or what we're trying to do is take back the language, so to say, right? You see that in school too. The corruption of language leads to the corruption of thought. And you're seeing it everywhere. It's this new speak where nothing means anything. And so no one can think. Right. Yeah, no one can think. And and we're really not allowed to think anymore. Critical thinking has completely gone uh, out the window on so many issues. I've never seen a more backwards time. And uh, it's very disturbing. But I, I do know that I find a sense of peace when I, I think, well, a lot of people are going to choose to be kind of crazy. And they're trying to destroy our, our country. But I'm not one of them. So I am going to live my life in the best possible way and do everything that I can do to speak the truth, tell the truth, and be open and honest and love my neighbors, love my family, and do my very best to kind of build a world that I think is smart. Um, I think about the um, the 10 virgins, you know, the, the story of them. Five of them were ready and five were not. I think we have mm -hmm. to be ready. And we have to prepare ourselves. What What is it that we're seeing? What is God saying for us to do? I've been saying this for over two years now. It's important that you hear from God. Is he telling you to move? Is he telling you to stay? Is he telling you to fight harder in a certain arena, uh, be it politics, be it getting onto the school board so, so that you can maybe have a say in what children are hearing about these days. Um, uh, I have, I put this share up JT, cause I know that you've been covering bill C11 and it really affects people like us. Now this is an older, um, this is an older article, but it says Bill C-11, everything you need to know about Canada's new online streaming act. Many Canadian YouTubers fear for their freedom of expression. Uh, do, you, do you think that people like me and you are a threat to the government? Do you think that actually they want to silence us so that, so that our voices and the truth cannot be spoken out loud? Yes, because their parliament is built on a refuge of lies. And so your listeners, your audience, you are a direct opposition to that. You're an enemy because you're not built on a refuge of lies. And as everyone knows, truth is more powerful than lie simply because a lie isn't real. <laughs> you know, you can, you can lie to yourself and say, well, it's warm. I can lie to myself and say it's plus 30 outside. But if I go outside wearing nothing but shorts and sandals, I'll find out very quickly that my lie does not correspond or, or stand up to reality as it actually is. Only truth will. So only if I say it's minus 40 outside today with the wind, I have to wear a toque and mitts, some serious toque and mitts and, and uh, you know, ski pants and stuff. Will I be able to actually live? So, yes, absolutely. We're a threat. Yep. And it's, and a, it's a real privilege to be called it. It's a real it, privilege because, again, that government right. is corrupt. What an honor, right? What an honor that uh, we're so disturbing to them that they want to to stop us or to put so many restrictions on how, mm -hmm. you know, we're able to communicate and perhaps even, um, you know, tax us financially that, uh, that, that they need us quiet because I, I always say this, you know, well, everything you heard here today, folks, you will not hear on CTV, C, CBC or Global tonight. You won't hear mm -hmm. it. Everything we're talking about in, you know, in medicine these days, in government these days, you won't hear it anywhere else because they're not saying, they're not telling the truth. Everyone is bought out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, yes, it's the, you see this massive Orwellian push to completely plunge Canada, as I mentioned with Parliament, into this refuge of lies, right? Into this world which isn't real. And I gave a speech race recently. I would argue that's most, you can see that most clearly, you can observe it most clearly with the digitalization of the age. Now, I have no problem with digital technology, right? It's great that you and I can chat like this, you know, uh, face to face over, over the computer. 
And it's great that I can do things instantaneously. It's great that farmers can use digitalization to, to um, be infinitesimally accurate when they plant crops and so on. That's great. But government is using digitalization for nefarious aims, right? They're using it to steer the society in the direction that they want to go. And although they use other technologies to do so as well, the thing about digitalization is that if you surround a man with digital technology, if his bank account is digital, if his passport is digital, if his romantic life is digital, as it so often is, if all of these things are digital around him, then you will eventually begin to treat that man like a digital creature, right? like someone who isn't real. Now, if there's one thing that's true about digital creatures, say in a video game, it's that one, they have no free will, and two, their lives are meaningless. And actually three, they're controlled by controllers outside the system. So what you have with, this is how I see it, what you have with government trying to pursue all of these digital technologies to implement them into society as quickly as possible is basically turning Canada, Alberta, British Columbia, etc., almost into one giant video game where they control the um, characters, you and I, in the game using digital technology. So for example, you give to the wrong convoy, you give to a wrong protest, oh, your bank account's been closed. Or maybe just it's been restricted by 10% to let you know that they're watching. Or maybe you didn't give to a certain group or you didn't give to a certain organization and all of a sudden your bank account's numbers have changed or you've been locked out of a grocery store or maybe you didn't wear a mask and so you're locked out of this and that, who knows what. But the point is government is up top outside the system, right? Playing this game, this digital game almost, trying to move the society in the direction that they want it to go. And of course they see our lives as meaningless and again, that's reiterated by their champion of abortion and euthanasia and, you know, all of these perverted policies. Mm. Tanner, what's your thoughts on this emergency um, commission that, that we've just had with all of the, you know, many witnesses and Trudeau uh, coming, you know, and giving his perspective on things? What, what, what do you think we've accomplished in all of it? Any, any thoughts on that? Well... It's a good question. I would say by not answering the questions, really those politicians answered all of the questions we had, which was, were you justified in using the Emergencies Act? And the answer is clearly, as it was back in February, whatever it was, no, not at all, right? What I, what, what, the outcome that I, that stuck with me the most after watching that inquiry was that government can do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want to do it, right? They don't need a justification to do anything. Like the most astounding testimony, in my opinion, was actually Vigneault's. Freeland's was, I mean, they were all bad. Freeland's accusation that the convoy was harming Canada's economic investment or foreign investment in Canada was, was unbelievable coming from her, considering her government passed Bill C-69, C-48 is going to, well, in their mind, hopefully pass Bill C-11, right? Um, institutes a carbon tax, shuts down our oil and gas sector, all of these things. And yet she wants to lecture you and I, us, about investment? Really? But anyways, so you had that testimony. Then you had Vigneault's, right? That one was wild because what he said in essence was, well, they interpreted the laws differently for the Emergencies Act. So why, Laura, there are criminals in Canada is beyond me because every criminal should just go to the dock when he's going before the judge and simply say, I'm interpreting the laws differently or I interpreted the laws differently in this situation, so I'm not guilty and you can't charge me with anything. <laughs> like, it's just wild, you, know, you can even chuckle about it because it's so insane, right? It's so unbelievable. It's such an affront to the rule of law, right? Can you imagine, um, for example, you know, um, like stealing a book, like I said, or stealing five books or 15 books or 20 books and going before a judge and saying, my circumstances are different. So the law doesn't apply to me in this way. It's unbelievable. That's not how law works. As a human being, all of us as human beings, the law applies equally. And as such, you can't just arbitrarily claim that at one moment in time, you're emancipated from the law or different law applies. And at another time, it doesn't. Yeah. So I think you know, it I, showed us exactly what we already knew. Yeah. And, and I just put up on my Twitter, 
how uh, Trudeau is basically saying, you know, we support uh, protest in China as basically China is erupting right now because of the human rights violations. People have literally been soldered into their buildings mm-hmm. and, and yes. they, they've been yeah. welded into their buildings to die. Fires have broken out. People are beginning to get to the end. They're like, you know what? If we're going to die in this godforsaken country, I guess maybe it's better to just die fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. the the Chinese people are driving, um, the, the Chinese government is driving the people to the point of desperation. And when you do that, people left with no choice, they will begin to fight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And is this not the same Chinese, the basic Chinese dictatorship that Trudeau said he admires? Unbelievable, right? right? Like, so not only, right, you know, not only do you have a hypocrite in power here in, here in Ottawa, right? You can protest anywhere but Canada because then you're not protesting against me. But you have a man who literally, and I don't have the, the citation with me, but you can find it online, right? So that he admires the basic dictatorship of China. I think he said it was because it enables them to get things done quickly or on a dime or something like that. And so while Trudeau can say at his press conference or whatever it was, like he did two days ago, that we're going to make sure that, you know, it's clear around the world that that journalist rights and human rights need to be upheld. It's like, it's not clear here in Canada. So... Wow. <laughs> Why not? Because you're right. Those Chinese people, the, those brilliant Chinese people are, are just mounting this valiant offense against that dictatorial and tyrannical government that has no place on earth. Um, it has no place, period. Right. It deserves to be in hell. So we give them all all prayers and so on. Them, those citizens in Brazil, same thing. Right. You have this. And I think I'm not, we're noticing it here, too. Like, the tolerance for this progressive push is not what it was even, you know, three or four years ago. It's different. People are tired of it and rightfully so. So I'm excited for the future. I'm encouraged. I think people are really, well, like we're seeing all over the place, we're tired of this nonsense. And there is something which is objectively right. And there are things which are objectively wrong. And we're doing our best to reject and repel that which is objectively wrong. Right. And, uh, you know, everything going on in Brazil and even China, not much is being reported in mainstream media. So some people hearing, oh, like, is there a problem? They might not even know because nobody's saying anything. You have to kind of get your news by accident somewhere or see something posted, you know, that happens Mm -hmm. to make it out of China. Um, And with what's going on, you know, in Brazil, I mean, the country's uh, practically shut down and uh, so many things are going on worldwide. And to see them yelling free speech, free speech in China, I mean, it's shocking. It's like, wow, we are all globally under attack. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that is not a conspiracy theory. Something very evil has been set afoot to literally destroy humanity. Yep. Oh, absolutely. It's the um, um, the dawn, I'd say it's called the dawn of the birth pangs of Antichrist. Absolutely. There's nothing that's that's evil enough to describe exactly what's happening, right? Like even, and you see it everywhere, even that restriction of fertilizer that, you know, 30% or whatever it was that, that the liberal government declared, unbelievable. You know, I doubt we're sufficiently attentive to how evil that restriction actually is when you realize just how critical um, nitrogen fertilizer is. Or if you look at what they said at COP27, which has flown under the radar compared to last year, right, what they were saying, oh, unbelievable, unbelievably um, globalist, one world order kind of thing. You know, all of these prophecies coming to fruition. It's fascinating to see, but (laughs) I do not intend to submit willingly, right? Like it's like, we're going to fight for what's right because it's right, because it's the right thing to do purely because it's right. So yeah, that's what I'd say. It's a very good trend, uh, Tanner, that we're seeing courage rising, that those who once wouldn't speak are now more willing to speak. Parents are, now it's in your face uh, with the Mm -hmm. drag queens and such. Uh, We have churches now um, having drag queens come into their churches in Canada. Um, Mm. I think that the the darkness is getting so dark that the, the light is forced to shine brighter. And this is making 
the people that would normally, you know, kind of let some of the front runners take the heat. And they're always grateful for people like you, Tanner. You know, you're out there sounding the alarm, uh, people like myself maybe, but they don't want to be that person, right? But all of a sudden they're going, I'm going to have to speak up. I'm going to have to speak up mm -hmm. at this meeting or that meeting. I'm going to have to defend my kids. I, you know, they can no longer afford to be quiet. And so it's an interesting season. And I, I, for one, am enjoying that, that there is that rise. I wish it was faster, but I think we're getting there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Totally agree with you. It's, um, you have to resist tyranny before it exists. You just have to, because if you wait until it actually exists, it's not too late, obviously. You can fight against oppression at any moment in time, but it's much more difficult to do it when it's actually cemented itself into the foundations of society. But if you can resist it before it exists, if you can mitigate the problem before it actually becomes a problem, if you can clear out all the tigers from the jungle before you actually go walking in the jungle, well, then it's something else entirely, right? Then it's much, much easier to resist this. Tanner, well, have we missed that? Have we missed the opportunity? Like it's kind of like the, the the jungle's got a lot of tigers now. It, it does. And that's a good question. Uh, I would say no. And the reason I say so is because we're, I know we're censored, of course, but you're still able to speak like this. Yes. We had a moment there where, of course, men were going to prison and there still are in prison here in Alberta, which is also reprehensible. I don't know why they're not out. It's unbelievable that those four individuals there waiting. It's ridiculous. Like that is, that is, oh, you can't describe how appalling that is. It's a sham and a disgrace and embarrassment that it's happening in my province. But at any rate, no, uh, we haven't missed it. And I'd also argue we haven't missed it because, no, I will be, let me be more specific. If we don't repent and seek Christ, we've missed it. That's true. And it's too late. But it was too late then 20 years ago, right? If the society repents and seeks the face of the Lord and seeks to do right and, you know, searches for his face and his name, then we're, we're golden. But, you know, that the Lord fights for those who believe in him. Uh, he does not fight for those who don't. And so that's foundational. If the society repents, if it seeks the face of the Lord, then it shall be saved. If it doesn't, no, can't. Because, it you know, it's... It, if it doesn't, its whole foundation in reality is not based on truth. And so it, by nature, it, it cannot stand to reality itself. And so that's why people like you are doing all we can to preach the truth as fervently and as loudly as possible to try and bring that about. And I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. I really am. Because people are, like you said, waking up. They see what's happening. They know that what's happening in Hollywood, for example, is evil. They know that that Simon's commercial or commercial that that euthanasia commercial wasn't right. They know that something is wrong there. And so if we can just keep, you know, if you can just keep preaching truth, then it will conquer deception and lies. Right. Yeah. You know, when Kim Kardashian uh, is mad about the uh, pedophile uh, agenda, um, people are waking up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she's mad because, mm -hmm. you know, her company's been kind of associated with this uh, group putting out these disgusting um, advertisements. And so now she's all mad about it. So I thought, you know, maybe things are changing when even Kim Kardashian is, is actually talking against evil in the world. I think that's a good thing. But, uh, but the darkness certainly, um, it's so dark that they don't even know how dark they are until it suddenly kind of gets exposed and then everyone freaks out and then they go, oh, okay, maybe that is weird that we're fetishing mm -hmm. children, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe we are a bunch of weirdos. I mean, hopefully that, you, you know, they'll, they'll come to a, a come to Jesus moment, but I intend to have the time of my life during the apocalypse. I've been telling uh, the crowds that across Canada that I am not going to be down during this because I am in the right uh, position. I, I'm on the right side of history. I have made good decisions. I trust God and therefore I believe that he is also protecting me. And do you feel that as well? Like, are you enjoying the fact that we're kind of in a real precarious season. Like, are you, are you kind of liking it because you're on the right side? Oh, well, yes, I'm certainly glad I'm able to preach truth. Yes, that's, that's a blessing beyond all measure. You're right. The Christian 
the servant of the Lord cannot be taken home until it's God's timing. He's indestructible. He's invincible until the Lord determines that his job is finished. It's great. It's such an assurance because you could, you know, walk through uh, a battlefield. And if the Lord had not determined that it was your time to go meet him yet, then you'd be unscathed. It's remarkable. Um, as to, you know, yeah, we're, we, we, we stand in this peculiar position of fighting a battle that's already been won. You know, we fight for truth. We fight for what's right, even though that that victory was already won at the cross and the resurrection. It's amazing because it's the most peculiar battle. What army in history fights a battle that's already been won? It's like they don't because they have to fight to win the battle. But you and I and, and others who are watching, those Christians, know that the victory has already been won. The battle's already been won, but we still continue to fight because we've been commanded to. And yes. so, yeah, we're on the right side of history and... We're going to continue working our hardest to, as I mentioned, preach what's true. <laughs> you know what What kind of makes me laugh? I'll let you go here, Tanner. But what makes me laugh is when uh, there are people that are kind of left-leaning, and then they're like, what? They're putting kitty litter boxes into the schools for real? And they see that they're, they're lefty thinking and they're the group they hang with has gone so far that they don't want to be associated with them anymore, <laughs> you know, and, mm -hmm. and kids are, you know, identifying as cats and they're like, what? And now they're thinking the world has lost their ever loving minds. I kind of, I kind of enjoy the light going on, you know, in some yes. of those people's oh, yes. minds, yes. right? It, it's so it's fun to watch. Yes. <laughs> yes. To see them receive truth is a phenomenal blessing. That's just, yeah, so wonderful to see because it is, yeah. it's like a switch. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's a switch. It goes on. Tanner, thank you so much. Uh, we've put your website up repeatedly so people can follow you. Uh, and um, thank you. I'm just grateful that you've spent this time with us. It's been a, a lot of fun, Tanner. I always appreciate your heart. And I just wanted to catch up with everyone on what's been going on in the world. And you were the very, very most perfect person. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I so appreciate being on your show. I have so much fun. So much All right. Fun. <laughs> Take care, Tanner. Oh, yeah, Keep up the good soon. work. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, super fun. Um, so, yeah, there's the scenery that uh, my husband shot today and, you know, really enjoying that. It's too cold for me to be out there. So isn't it fun that we can shoot it? We can just look at it right on the screen there. Uh, I absolutely love it. I did put a share up there, JT. I wanted to share one uh, quick thing with um, you all. And do you see it there? This is the, it's uh, the COVID, the biomedicine. Yeah. So this is the National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information. And so, you know, I am on uh, some difficult um I'm actually on YouTube, right? We're, we're on YouTube today. So I'm just hoping, did we get there, JT? So I'm just hoping that, you know, just sharing what these guys, all I want to do is share what they've said. All right. This is interesting. So biomedicine um, published. Now this was published September 1st of 2022, just a couple months ago. COVID-19 vaccines and the misinterpretation of perceived side effects, clarity on the safety of vaccines. So listen to them. In the era of COVID-19 and mass vaccination programs, the anti-vaccination movement across the world is currently at an all-time high. I wonder why that's happening. Any thoughts? Um, much of this anti-vaccination sentiment could be attributed to the alleged side effects that are the alleged side effects that are perpetuated across social media from anti-vaccination groups. Okay. Fear-mongering and misinformation being peddled by people with no scientific training to terrorize people into staying unvaccinated is not just causing people to remain susceptible to viral outbreaks, but could also... Listen to this. They could also be causing more side effects seen in the vaccination process. Well, I thought there weren't any, really. They were only, they're only perceived or whatever. Um, so this brief review will offer data that may demonstrate that misinformation perpetuated by the anti-vaccination movement may be causing more deaths. So our information... Um, is causing more deaths and side effects from any vaccine.
A mini review of published literature has been conducted and found that mental stress clearly causes vasoconstriction and arterial constriction of the blood vessels. Therefore, if subjects are panicked, concerned, stressed, or scared of the vaccination, their arteries will constrict and become smaller in and around the time of receiving the vaccine. So this biological mechanism, the constriction of veins, arteries, and vessels under mental stress is the most likely cause for where there has been blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, dizziness, fainting, blurred vision, loss of smell and taste that may have been experienced shortly after vaccine administration. The extreme mental stress of the patient could most likely be attributed to the fear-mongering and scare tactics used by various anti-vaccination groups. This paper does not aim to rule in or out every side effect seen. No, no, it's very open to the fact there could be side effects. But it is highly likely that many apparent side effects seen shortly after a subject has received a vaccine could be the, the result of restricted or congested blood flow from blood vessel or arterial constriction caused by emotional distress or placebo based on fear around vaccines. So therefore, it is those who are causing fear. Now, if you're fearful, I wonder why you're going to get it. Um, I don't know that many people that want to do that. They're, they're, they're pretty much like, rah, rah, I'm ready for my fourth booster. I'm going now. So um, I just, I wanted to share that with you, that this is sort of their perspective, is it's not the vaccines, it's, it's the fear mongers, it's the anti-vaxxers that are causing stress. Therefore, the vaccines cause blood clots, heart attacks, and myocarditis, that's coming out. Um, so very, very interesting. Uh, before I go today, I want to um, let you know that there is something that I am undertaking that is a very, very big project. And I'm wondering if you would like to be a part of it with me. Uh, this is going to be very important because I believe we're in a war and that, um, that we're going to have to find solutions for our children to be able to be homeschooled and to have learning centers that are not uh, going to be full of the woke agenda. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, so we are embarking on something that is really kind of huge and over my head a little bit, but we're trusting God that he is leading us. And the other thing that I really came to understand in this last little while is like even in a small town like Smithers, we were not able to rent the hotel so that we could get more people in. We were not allowed to rent the facility because, I don't know, was it because we're talking about Jesus? Was it because we're talking about bodily autonomy and freedom? Is it because we're talking about um, medical things from a doctor? In Smithers, it was Dr. Chris Shoemaker wonderful doctor his whole life, already took two vaccines, um, shares some valuable information that he's since found out. And, and yet this truth from an expert, a real doctor, and sharing the power of community and the love of God was not accepted. So, so this is what we're finding is we can't rent places because as soon as you do the, the woke mob um, you know, goes and starts creating a problem, right? So what do we need? Well, we need our own facilities. That's what we need. We need to be able to have a place that, uh, that God can be honored and that we can gather. And so we have found a facility in the Fraser Valley and we are trusting the Lord for a substantial amount of help in order to get there. Now it's coming towards the end of the year and many of you need tax receipts. There might be some people watching right now and you're like, you know what? I have not put my money anywhere because I don't know who to trust and who is doing good things in this country. 
I want you to know that for the rest of my living days, as did my parents, I will be doing good things for humanity and for God and in the name of the Lord God. And so we are undertaking uh, several, um, it's a big project with several aspects to it. The very first one though is approximately a $3 million venture and we need help and we need people who believe in what we do. So you might be watching right now and you're able to support this. And let me tell you something, $20 matters, $100 matters, $1,000 matters, $500 matters, $5,000 matters, $500,000, very helpful, a million dollars, very helpful. We offer tax receipts and um, if, if you would like to, find out more about this, you can write Laura Lynn live at protonmail.com. You can find that email at lauralynn.tv and you can see our shows there. You can see ways to, um, to invest in this, in this, uh, in this work that we're doing. And I love being here with you. And I thank you very much for being here with me today. Um, if this sounds interesting to you, would you consider doing something amazing and supporting a great work. For me, I'm now investing in the children and in communities. And we've got some pilot projects that we are partner partnering with to make sure that kids get taught. And um, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, all is well. Um, to make sure that kids get taught and... Um, and that they get taught the right things, reading, writing, and arithmetic, especially history and truth. So those are the important things to me. So if you want to be a part of that, that would be wonderful. We also know that a lot of people are interested in silver and gold right now, and we have chosen to put our trust into Steve Merrill. He has always steered us right. We're gonna have him in, on the show in the next week or so. And he is also um, someone that you can get a hold of, Sovereignize, I think it's probably on the screen right there, eh? And, um, and he made that up, Sovereignize, he calls it. Uh, so, so get a hold of him if you'd like to do that. People are wondering uh, where they should make some investments. So I'd like to close today by reading to you Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I see a pandemic of fear right now. People are very afraid. They're afraid of uh, what, um, what they're seeing in the government. They're afraid of what they're seeing in the people around them. The blindness to truth the friends that they once held dear, who are no longer such good friends. Families have been ripped apart in this last little bit, and it's been painful. It's been very hard. Whom shall I fear? Who do you fear? What do you fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Not us. I love this. When the Lord is your stronghold, it is your enemies who stumble and fall. <laughs> Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me. It's interesting that it's not war against our country. When David was speaking this, he said, a war has broken out against me. Some of you are in a personal war. There's something going on and it is a very difficult season and you feel attacked and you don't know you know how this is all going to come to a good conclusion and you feel rejection 
and you feel pain. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. A lot of people that I'm talking to are not going to church anymore. They lost their church during COVID. They haven't been able to find a place that they feel comfortable, a place that they feel they're welcome, and a place of community. We've got to change that, everyone. We've got to create safe spaces where people are welcome, where they feel like their family is there, the family of God. That is my hope, to create that safe space to create that place where we gather. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. You know, when you're on a a high rock, when a flood comes, the waters don't touch you. If you're hidden in a cleft of a rock, when the wind comes, you're protected. This is what God offers us. In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. It is important that we do not forsake the gathering of the saints together, that we find a place of safety and community. And I pray that for every single one of our provinces and our towns, it shall be found. I intend to make that one of my highest priorities. Thanks for being here with me. I've absolutely loved it. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.laurelynn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.